podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to what I believe is episode 8 of Rugby World Cup Weekly, our flagship weekly Rugby World Cup show. As we look ahead to this weekend's semi-final action, as we all know, the semi-finals were decided by a coin toss. Nothing got to do with games last week. So if you hear us mention quarterfinals, I think it's because Keane drank too much wine when he was over in France. I'm not 100% sure. And that does bring me to the introductions. Joining me is Rap Pod's Hardy Worthy, who's back for a second appearance in two weeks. Very proficient. Welcome back, Hardy. Thank you. I can't believe you had me back after those absolutely atrocious predictions about the coin tosses. I think you forgot that I also had the same predictions about these coin tosses. And also joining us is a man whose podcasting skills knows no bounds. He's even in Australia, if you don't mind. Keenan Willar of the Roar Rugby Podcast and Harpenham <laughs> Rugby Podcast. Ah, oh, welcome back, Ian. Ah, uh, it's great to be back on, Kalon. You know, at this stage, I've been on so many different pods and planes that I feel like a uh, digital and physical nomad, both, you know, roaming the rugby landscape with a bindle on a stick, putting <laughs> right what once went wrong, except for quarterfinals, sorry, coin tosses. Exactly. I, I, I should ask now, and you can leave this podcast out because, you know, I don't want to be playing favourites. Which is your favourite podcast to be on? Is it is it Roar? Is it Harpen? Like, which way are you going here? Uh, look, Harpen will always have the special place in my heart, you know, so I'm not pissing uh, Jeff off. I'm not. I'm not. He, know, he, knows, where the, he knows where the bodies are buried. <laughs> That's a cop-out answer. As if Brett and Harry also don't know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> Speaking of dead bodies, there will be quite a few after this weekend's semi-final action if the... if. Some pundits are to be believed. The action starts on Saturday night. Sorry, Friday night. Apologies. I've, I've been thinking Saturday night all week. I don't know why. Game one, an all-rugby championship affair is three-time champions New Zealand take on Argentina, who returned to the last four for the first time since 2015, which, coincidentally, is also the last time these two sides met in a World Cup, where that impressive New Zealand side walked to glory in England. Keen. It's a tough one to discuss, you know, an 80-minute coin toss like it was. But the reality is that New Zealand were incredible last week. Like, it it would have taken an amazing effort for Ireland just to beat them. And that Ireland are still an amazing team, even though we're starting a rebuild and we're going to bring in 250 new players to the provinces this weekend, <laughs> if we're to be believed. Jokes aside, with that in mind, New Zealand are in a great place for this one, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to go into, too, thankfully, I'm not going to go into too much detail on the whole game as this isn't the review part. That, that was already a somber one and you've already had to deal with Leinster La Rochelle this year, so I couldn't really ask you to go anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I, don't know if I could take it, frankly. Um, But, you know, it is definitely worth having a look at some aspects of New Zealand's performance in that match because they had to pull a worldy, a world-class 100% performance out of their arses you know that popular film from a few years ago, Zoolander, where Hansen has to pull his underwear magically out of his trousers to win a walk-off? 
that's what New Zealand did last weekend. It was they pulled their underwear out of their trousers to win that game. Um, and they got the tactic spot on to do it as well. First thing, championship minutes, early lead. They, you know, they, they really put that pressure on on the scoreboard, going 13-0 up. There's very few teams who can live with that. Um, you know, it's championship rugby, take your points, don't let your opportunities go by, get the scoreboard ticking over and build pressure from the outset. It's old school, but it's still absolutely the template. Like, it's been proved time and time and again. Um, against... Argentina, I'd say you might see a penalty or two early doors, but I'd expect to see more tries on the day than anything else. I'm not going to expect to see a uh, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15 race, ladder race between the two sides. Um, Other big part, the set piece. Um, They played the scrum to an absolute T. They primed the ref really nicely uh, in regards Porter before the game and then had the game plan to it's all set up to step across and shear and um, absolutely highlight uh, what they felt was egregious illegal scrummaging or at least they could paint that picture to the referee and so he definitely took took it on the chin as a scapegoat there but it's not just it's not just a plan at the scrum it takes a seriously good scrummaging unit to be able to pull that off like they did it's not just the dark arts um, they were well able for Argentina in the rugby championship in July 7 out of 7 on their own put in and won against the head uh, so the line out then as well line out execution last weekend was on point 100% ball two steals and then obviously that uh, first phase try uh, which didn't happen because it was a coin toss and not a quarter final but you know <laughs> if it were to have happened it would have been a first phase try to Mwanga off the back of the line out that would have been incredible should it have happened Um. They've had the highest uh, line-out success in the, uh, in the across the in the World Cup across the, the pool stages and the knockouts so far. Ninety-eight point one percent on their own goal. Line-out, I believe. And that was in week one. Insane, absolutely nuts. Um, or, or is it due to have no. an off night? Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> that's 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 not the way these things work. <laughs> you're looking, you're looking for an outlier. You should, you need to be looking for the trend. Um, they they really are. They're running a very tight ship. They're the improvement across their set piece uh, over the last year has been nothing short of remarkable. I mean, no better team than New Zealand for it, but nonetheless, um, similar to the scrum, um, in the championship last year, they had twice the amount of lineup ball as Argentina. They were eighteen for twenty. Uh, versus nine for twelve in that match. Uh, defensive resilience. Now, New Zealand's defense was another thing. Yet another thing that was absolutely incredible on Saturday. Um, it was it, it held. It was watertight uh, essentially throughout the full eighty. Uh, even when they went down to fourteen uh, each side, total of two hundred twenty six tackles, hundred which were in the last twenty minutes. I mean, that's that's yeah. insane. Uh, one, most... of, one of those was a leg apparently <laughs> <laughs> it's the most tackles ever in a men's rugby world cup match Jesus, let that sink in for a second for over the period or no ever oh yeah it's the highest number of tackles ever recorded in That's a men's rugby record. world cup yeah apparently <laughs> I, I, I saw this they looked a line up penalty in the 50s and they've not and they've not looked back since the bastards <laughs> um, Kane made 22 himself the only other New Zealand player to make more than 20 in a World Cup match is McCall versus Australia in 2003 with 26 uh, so that'll wow. give you 
yeah so it is like right up there as a defensive display and are, are, are new zealand now a defensive team not like not for mm. me to say but it's come no, full but circle Jeez. They're, they're 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 a high work rate team that does whatever yeah. they need to do um this is this is this was a game plan that was tailored entirely towards ireland it was a straight jacket yeah absolutely uh, and ireland were sewn up into it um and even in that final barrage 50 metres Ireland made, 30 phases, but still holding firm. Everyone was out on their feet. There was probably space out on the wings, but unable to take care of. But again, this is not about Ireland, it's about New Zealand. They'll be tired and sore now, I'd say, after that. Uh, but, you know, that's that defensive display, after some dodgy defensive displays over the last couple of years, I think they've really put that one to bed. I don't really expect Argentina to get much out of any heavy carries in the midfield. Um... I think finally then, uh, their tactical kicking and fielding was also, yet again, something else they did superbly. I mean, they did nothing. I mean, it's not even that they did nothing badly. They did nothing mediocrely. They did nothing well. They did everything superbly. Yeah, <laughs> and there was one handling error in the entire game <laughs> from New Zealand. <laughs> That's That doesn't happen at this level, ever. Um, they had 33 kicks from hand, 878 metres. We gathered six of them. Uh, Ireland only kicked 20 for 696-0 regathered. Uh, so they really worked that game. Um, they constantly seemed to have three in the backfield. Um, it was impossible to find grass, farming, forcing Ireland to go through the phases instead. And great visioning, great vision to see that opening there for the 50-22 as well. And now uh, Argentina, very much been a kicking side throughout this. Um, they kicked uh, in their quarterfinal game. They kicked far longer than both New Zealand and Ireland did. They averaged over 40 metres per kick for each of 34 kicks from hand, uh, given that this is like a key part of New Zealand's game plan, the kicking game and, and field positioning for counter-attack. I can see that being probably the big difference between the sides on the day. There, There's a lot of different indicators that New Zealand have changed things up. And I will hold my hand up. I was slightly wrong about them in my pre-tournament predictions. But I will throw, come out and say, if South Africa beat them in the final, I was only wrong by one prediction in the grand scheme of things. So <laughs> swings and roundabouts and all that. I'd rather have been wrong about one that was in Ireland, but, you know, swings and roundabouts. Harley, like, Keen has given us a great list there of what New Zealand have improved on, what to look out for. But at the same time, we have an Argentine side who... Like, if New Zealand were perfect last weekend, Argentina were 6 out of 10, you know, and it was a dog game in Marseille. Like, they did win, but it's hard to know if they're even a rising stock or if they're just scraping by. That, yeah, yeah, it's... it's sorry. It's, it's, yeah, sorry. It's, it, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I think one thing that Argentina you can always rely on is that they're... You know they they're going to stay in it. If I mean that's why we well struggled. Their lineup faltered, and then Argent, you know, and the longer Argentina was in sight, the more their tails got to. And if you look at the the game where they beat the All Blacks and they came out firing straight after lockdown, it you know it was a fact of you know a few things went well for them early. Now New Zealand, actually, I think it would have been the same if Ireland had, had, had you know had come up heads not tails. The you know I think they're very good at striking early and you know striking fast and keep going. And I feel like it would have taken a lot of emotional energy for Argentina to get through that get get through that game. I don't know if they can repeat it, but then again, 
can New Zealand Canada, do they necessarily have to get up as high emotionally as as they did versus Ireland? So obviously yeah. there's a lot more riding on it. I think they, I mean the kicking, yeah. I mean, one of the big things was Wales fell into the trap of getting into kicking battles, not kicking so well, and then we were getting stuck in round twenty two and that just led to, you know, and then we were trying to carry it out, which led to pressure, which led to turnovers stressed. I mean, I know that coin toss was the weirdest one because I've never seen a, you know, I think no one would have seen a ref get substituted in the first half, if at all. But that's bye bye. I think for me, yeah, I, I can't see Argentina pulling ahead. But then again, I didn't think Argentina would beat Wales. So take take, take what you will from that. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And this we could probably park the coin toss jokes, but because I'm afraid I'll make a few too many bad ones at this stage. But. <laughs> There is the element of Argentina and kind of feeling unknown about them. Do you know, like Pool D was, for all intents and purposes, a pool of four very average sides. You know, like I'd still rather, like you look at some of the stats for the games, Pool C was way more entertaining. It mightn't have been necessarily international rugby at its purest, but it was very entertaining. It was very, every team had a crack at it. And I don't think the same was be said for Pool D when you consider, you know, Samoa no showed against Argentina, Argentina did the same against um England, Chile did the same against pretty much everyone, and you know, England pretty poor against Samoa. It was a string of poor performances. Keen, I'll come back to you and we'll probably start with the Argentinian side. Like they have been fairly cohesive to their credit, even though they chopped and changed at times. They seem very set in what they're looking for now. Still, you look at it and it's not exactly a 23 that you'd be like, yeah, that scares me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got the, the team sheet here. It's uh, uh, Malia at 15, Buffelli at 14, Cynthia at 13, Chukabara is at 12. Who's probably my favorite name? The Argentinian side, ah, just side out there. Absolutely. <laughs> Carreras at 11. Sorry, Mateo Carreras at 11, Santiago Carreras at 10, uh, Bertrano at 9, and then forwards, you got Gallo at 1, Montoya at 2, uh, Cadella at 3, Petty at 4, Lavanini at 5, who's actually been doing really well at not getting cards this, this tournament, it has to be said, in fairness to him. Um, Gonzalez at six, Kramer at seven, and Facundi Iso at eight. Uh, replacements is Creevy, Sclavi, Bello, Alamano, Bruni, Velez, Sanchez, and Moroni. Uh, Bertrand was in ahead of Thomas Cubelli. Um, just to, uh, they, I think they expect a faster paced game, and they certainly will get it. Um, there are Seven players on that team who are who were there in the 2015 semi-final loss to Australia, also coached by Michael Checker, who's now coaching them. Uh, mm-hmm. So that'd be Alamano, Creevy, Lavanini, Sanchez, Petty, uh, Montoya and Issa, who's getting his 50th cap. But uh, it's, it's not it's not really come together for Argentina like they probably would have hoped. They have built into into the tournament. They have definitely improved, and last weekend was probably their best game. But it it really felt like a a fair bit of chaos was just being flung at Wales rather than a, a, a kind of cohesive battle plan. Um, and I'd 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 really worry that if you don't have that for a quarter final, you 
probably not going to have much better for a semi-final. And no offense to, to Wales, but New Zealand is a different prospect. Absolutely. And you're kind of hoping that they can find something as opposed to seeing X or Y because they, were, they weren't exactly very clinical against Wales. They were made an awful lot of mistakes. And yeah, New Zealand are going to have to come down a couple of gears, which they will, we should add. New Zealand aren't going to put up the same performance on a six-day turnaround with an unchanged 23. Um, or no, one change. Apologies. We'll get into yeah. that in a second. Um, or two. Two even, sorry. <laughs> I'll go through I, I didn't read the team sheets. Again, I'm not very prepared this week, guys. That sorry. is why I bring on two of the smartest men in rugby, in fan rugby podcast. Who's the other one? Know. <laughs> uh, we'll, go, we'll go through the New Zealand team sheet now if, if, we will uh, we'll save, case, my, save me my brushes but my point still stands about yeah, New Zealand probably won't uh, be at the same level no they, they won't but I don't think they'll have to be uh, the team sheet is 15 is Barrett 14 is Will Jordan 13 is uh, Ione 12 Jordy Barrett 11 Mark Talea 10 Richie Mawunga 9 Aaron Smith 1 Ethan DeGroote 2 Cody Taylor 3 Tyrell Lomax 4 Sam Whitelock 5 Scott Barrett 6 Shem Frizzell 7 Sam Kane 8 Artie Savea with uh, Taukeahu on the bench uh, with Williams Newell Ritalik Papali Christie McKenzie and Leonard Brown that's a fairly t- tasty 23 in fairness that'll put the fear of God into you it's a uh, Talea and Whitelock coming into the starting 15. Talea was left out for uh, breaching team protocols, allegedly. There was, there was, a, lot of, a, lot of there was a lot of that. breaches going on, apparently. That's the issue. Yes, numerous breaches, but Talea seems to be the one who's made it back into the side. Um, so uh, Lester Fanganuku is out, despite having a really fun name to say. Um, and scoring <laughs> the first say the whole thing. Uh, yes I I only found out now that he's named after the match (laughs) oh my gosh I thought this was well known and then I seen it last week and I was like why are people going back over this about Leicester fighting in Uku's name but apparently I know he's not not playing next week but did you know Theobald Flamont used to play for half for the uh, Loughborough (laughs) Loughborough University 50 (laughs) and did you know that Peter O'Mahony once played on the wing in an AIL (laughs) Oh, we are really falling down the rabbit hole. That is called <laughs> sorry, TV sorry, punditry. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> yes, marvelous. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, I don't. I, just, I don't mean that in any way to to disparage people. I just mean, you know, the running gags are gags for a reason. Um, Keen, I might just break away there for a second yep. because the the main changes are Talia for Fianuku. Yeah. Uh, White Lock for Italic. White Lock starts, Retalic's back on the bench, and uh, Samasoni Takeahu uh, uh, takes Den Cole's spot. Yeah, they don't exactly, they certainly don't make the team any worse. No, it's, it's a, a touch of rotations, away. not too blatant, all very subtle. And Takeahu uh, is a fine, a fine player, even if people might know him as well as White Lock or even Talea, like he's a fine player. Harley, yeah. I want to to you because Keane has given us all 23 players on each side in an order I wouldn't be too comfortable with going 15 to 9 and 1 to 8 it's entirely <laughs> different it's the, it the only way to do it not my favourite but it's the way it came and I didn't have time to rearrange them all sorry Kalon. ah no it's fine I, I believe you but <laughs> you look at the matchups Harley you look at say 
yeah, Barrett against Chocobaras is, is going to be a lot of fun. Um, there's no doubt about that. But it's hard to find too many in which Argentina are leading in terms of just purely head-to-head. And with that in mind, it's it's hard to see it's hard to see where their big performances come from when you add that into their lack of form in this tournament. Yeah, I think I think I think as as I said earlier, I think the, the thing with the Argentine side is if they're going to have a chance against New Zealand, they've got to you know they've got to do what is comes naturally to Argentinians and spoil it and drag it down and get it make it into a bit of a shit fight. Which to be fair, New Zealand are more than happy to do as they showed against Ireland last last week. It, I mean, I can't see New Zealand making the same sort of errors that Wales did last week. You know, you know, as I said, you know, those, you know, like the two over two crucial overthrown lineups in the five. Then there was a steal. Then there's one where we sort of got away with it, and then got Aaron Wayne got turned over. You know, I don't, I don't want to take too much from Argentina because they deserve to win. But I mean, you know, they they were helped an awful lot by Wales just. Basically, just going a little bit too, you know, it just feels like it was a step too far from that game. Um, but yeah, Argentina, I think, you know, like I take Mwanga over Carreras at 10 any day. You know, I Buffelli probably the best goal kicker on the pitch, but I've got a feeling it's probably not going to go down to goal kicking. I think the back row is going to be quite tasty. I do think, I do think this is a game where they're going to really miss Matera because I think he does stand up, you know, almost single handedly stands up against the New Zealand back row. Um, you know, I think Lavanini is, you know, he's a different player to what he was four years ago. But if you ask me, you know, like, you, you, you if you watched him play, you would not believe he's the most carded, most carded player in world world rugby ever. Yeah, yeah I, you know, they they're going well. I think, I said, I think having the group back has meant that the scrums quite so on low max. I don't really know too because I've. Don't have Sky Sports. I don't re- didn't really watch Super Rugby, so I don't know too much about the bench props. But then I don't think the Argent. I think the Argentina it, it dips dips as well. So yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, and you know, White White Lock's been there and done that more times than most most players. So again, I think second rows. I yeah, I think I think Kim's right. It's it's you you pretty much pick the New Zealand player almost every single time. Pity, um, because we are hoping for a big, a big match up here. But remarkably, it feels like if there's going to be a tight one, it's going to be the other semi final. Even though that mightn't be, it might be for the purists, as they say. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Predictions, so lads. Um, like personally, I can't see Anthony other than New Zealand win, and I'd be saying maybe ten points. I know it's promised terrain and all that, and. Rain is the great leveller, but it's really hard to look away from New Zealand. I'll come to you first, Keen. Like, even if they don't hit full percent like they did last week, and they probably won't. They probably won't come close to it. Yeah. Still a better team than, than this Argentinian side, surely. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I think last weekend you had a couple of quarterfinals, which were semifinals with a quarterfinal sticker slapped on top of it. Um, and I think this, this that's helping this, the grieving process. Just this is this is probably the other way around. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's Tesco own brand relentless. <laughs> hey, some of the Tesco own brand stuff is nice. <laughs> let's let's we need to be. This is when you order a World Cup semi final from Wish. That's what these games are. <laughs> 
Oh dear, yeah, I can't see this having anything like the shape of the of any of the quarterfinals. To be honest, it's going to be very one sided. I, I I can see Argentina giving a passionate performance, but this could be over before half time, even in the rain. I'd say New Zealand by two to three scores. Now, I'd like to stress that Keane was not on last week when he gave his prediction, so that could be solid. Unless Hardy says New Zealand by two to three scores, in which case. We should probably book Argentina on the plane because <laughs> myself and Harley got it atrociously wrong last week. But, my well, friend, which way are you going? Well, my prediction, my one prediction, I'm going to stick with it, is the two games next week are going to be New Zealand, South Africa and England versus Argentina. I'm not going to say which way around. <laughs> <laughs> You're either going to be 100% wrong or 100% right. I, I, I'll be I honest, I had, a similar, I had a similar thing in 2019, but I got them the wrong way around. Oh, ouch. <laughs> so... New Zealand or uh, Argentina, considering I, I, I can't one see... of them is going to be playing a game against one of the other semi-finalists next week. I I can't see past New, New Zealand winning again, but like somewhere between 12, 15 points, maybe a bit more, depending on whether or not they decide to coast or if they really want to put the, um, the spirit breaker on. I'm going to... I understand if I heard this on another podcast, I'd probably roll my eyes. But considering the attendances are low, France are out, Ireland are out, Wales are out, and in Hardy's case as well, Australia. Is, is this is this game going to get much of a viewership? Like I know it, it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but like it feels like nobody is just talking about this. And maybe it's just because we're hurt here in Ireland, but like, God, it feels very tame running into it, doesn't it? Nobody wants a predictable knockout game this far out, like this far into the into the tournament. Uh, I mean, whatever about, oh, you know, this quarterfinal weekend is the best ever. It's like, yeah, it's because you've got two games in the wrong place, mate. This <laughs> um, happens to the best of us. <laughs> they have kind of screwed the pooch. Um, this is where I think the draw comes back to bite World Rugby in the ass monetarily. And that's where it's going to hurt them. Can we blame? Can we correctly blame COVID? Not the fact it was done three years out, because technically it was done four years out because it was done at the end of the last World Cup, based on those standings. Um, although I, although Sam Lana did, did, did he did a few things that basically said right, what, what sort of time frames would you do? And he did like showed like two years out, eighteen months out, and one year out. Scotland still ended up with a really shitty ball, so I don't know why they they keep moaning. <laughs> that's fair, but we wouldn't have got South Africa, so you know. <laughs> Well, maybe in twenty twenty one because they'd only played their first games then. That and yes, anyway, I mean, yeah. I think you got to be. I think it makes sense why it was this one time. So let's. Yeah, I think I think people need to oh, stop yeah. pool whinging. You know I mean, there were there were much bigger issues going on than what team you're playing in the World Cup. I mean, let's be fair. Wales were always going to play Australia and Fiji again. And Ireland were always going to get a horrible quarter final if they got that far. It's just night follows day in these things, but the main event is on Saturday. Some have been eagerly anticipating this one for years. Some have been eagerly anticipating it for weeks or six days. The URC is back, but we're not going to talk about that tonight because we have South Africa against England in Sunday's, Saturday's World Cup semi-final. It's a repeat of the 2019 showing where South Africa kind of handed their arses to England a little bit, physically anyway. Harley, I'm going to come to you first um, as our Welsh representative to talk 
about South Africa just, or to talk about England to make it fair. Um, England, no one's given them a chance. South Africa were so impressive last weekend. So, so, so good. Even when people laughed because they were taking off Khaleesi, it felt like, no, no, they got this and they did. So for England, it does feel like a step too far, doesn't it? I mean, when you look at where they, how they stroke, you know, they, Fiji, bless them, basically ended up having the same ending to a game twice to bookend their, bookend their tournament. So it was six points down looking for a try and then just something going wrong right at, la- right at the death. Especially when um, you consider as well, they, they haven't really been blessed with place kickers and then having to search for a try and then trying kind of not to go out wide and get run out of play or to score in the corner and it would seem to be on their head as well. It was ah, it was <laughs> tough for them. And being down to this third choice ten, who is a center and yeah. is very much a center, is yeah, nothing. But yeah, England, I mean, they're definitely built they're, they're building into the sort of England team that you expect. And as much as everyone always wants to say rugby DNA should be, yeah, our rugby DNA is throwing the ball around really nearly. Most teams it's not. South Africa it isn't, Wales it isn't, England it certainly isn't. England is all about being a flat track bully and being bigger and tougher and battering the shit out of you, kicking drop goals. And I feel like Borthwick started to bring that into his England team. They're starting to learn that. They're... I mean, one thing I think is definitely going to worry them is Fiji had them on roller skates in scrum time. And, I mean, we saw South Africa taking a, taking a scrum-free kick on the 50-22, which I remember messaging a uh, friend of the pod, Hugh, Hugh Griffith, saying, this literally never happens. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, th- I think... I think the box can be looking at it and just going, right, we're taking a scrum for everything. And I remember, like, just when the beast just basically folded Dan Cole in half for about 50 minutes for uh, Kits off to come on and carry on folding in, into even smaller pieces. And Dan it's... Cole, the best scrummager to come out of England in the last, like, 15 years. For him to get absolutely mauled is saying something. <laughs> It, it's like seeing that. It would be like seeing Adam Jones, like as a Welshman, seeing Adam Jones being crumpled by someone. It's just, it, it's just inconceivable to me. It just would never happen. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And Keen, I've seen a couple of things this week, and it really feels like the English train, the hype train, the um hyperbole train is really kicking into gear now. If it wasn't when George Ford kicked three drop goals and. He was the record holder, even though Yanni De Beer kicked five. Um, some people may have forgotten, even He's though that was in, that was in Twig. What did you say earlier? Sorry, I said I said George Ford wasn't even the first to kick three chop goals in a pool game here, and like, that, no. that's um, oh, what, uh, but um, I've forgotten the guy's name, but played for yeah. Namibia. We'll we'll forget George Ford's name eventually as well. Keen, going on to you, like we're here. Marcus Smith's a world class fifteen after he got battered and bruised and beaten up and didn't look like a 15 last week. We're hearing this England team is fitter than anyone else after they were wrecked, trying not to swear here, but they were wrecked after 80 minutes on Saturday. Like, everything you're hearing goes completely against what you're watching. So it's, with that in mind, it feels like if you hear that England are going to give them a rattle, you just kind of have to think, oh, God, <laughs> it's another game that World Rugby are not looking forward to in terms of the contest. Yeah, I'm 
I'm not going to be paying any more attention to the British press than I usually do this week. So that'll tell you everything you need to know about what the British press are saying this week. No, honestly speaking, they they have been building into this tournament. They they are the only team that's still unbeaten. You know, that's there's there's a lot to be taken from that. Um, is is there? Is there key? Yeah, yeah, for them there is. Yeah, they're the only unbeaten team. Yeah, but like Shannon or FC are unbeaten in the AIL. It doesn't mean they're going to win the World Cup. Like the emotionally boy by that, but and you know Marcus Smith epitomised this. Uh, the entire England side looked like they've been hit by twenty three freight trains by the end of that game. You know they came out on the right side of the scoreboard, but uh, it felt like they were nailed to the Bronco rather than riding it. <laughs> you know. Um, They'll be carrying Knox, all of them. I mean, Mark Smith isn't even playing. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, I think they're kind of painting it as a tactical thing. It's not tactical. That lad is on half a leg. Um, they're going to be physically drained. Um, I are they the fittest team of the World Cup? I have nothing to back that up. I've not seen anything to back that up. They've not been tested. Uh, that the closest the thing they got to a test was that game, and they looked ragged by the end of it. Um. Conversely, then, um, and this is all vibes, by the way. None of this is backed up by stats or anything. Um, Which is very unlike you. I know. I like like to solo this stuff sometimes, occasionally. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's funny. They they were both close close matches, the South Africa match and the England match, but they were so very, very different. You know, I mean, South Africa, they had to dig deep and go to the well. Uh, but that was such an amazing performance. It, it felt well thought out, even though they went down, uh, went behind at the start. They It looked like they knew what they were doing all the way through it and executed amazingly, but ferociously as well. Um, you know, they just, they know what they need to do to win these uh, Ruby World Cup knockout games. It is, it's a thing. You either know how to do it or you don't. And in fairness, England have done it in the past. But, and yet, you know, being a flat back track bully as a simple game plan is great. But what happens when the other team is bigger and scarier than you are? <laughs> Who are you bullying then? Um, yeah, I think South Africa had, there was an emotional toll to that probably going to the well that much. But I think they're probably not going to need to go to that level of performance to beat this English side. Um, I think England just don't have the tactical depth to stop the Bach machine, which is timed its run most much like New Zealand with infuriating accuracy. I mean, I'm gonna actually change things up with the team sheets before I cross to Harley to give us to us. I want to give you the predicted side as by Razi Erasmus. So he said it would be Ellis Genge, Jamie George, Kyle Sinclair, Maro Toje, Ali Chesham, Courtney Laws, Tom Curry, Ben Earl. Alex Mitchell, Owen Farrell, Elliot Daly, Manu Tulangi, Joe Marchant, Johnny May, and either Freddie Stewart or Marcus Smith, with a bench of Theo Dan, Joe Marler, Dan Cole, George, not or or Martin, Billy Vonipola, who is, yep, uh, Ben Youngs or Danny Kerr. Again, not a great indictment of English rugby, considering they've two 30 something year olds who aren't at their best. George Ford and Ollie Lawrence. Now, even with my long removed leaving certain mathematics um long gone to the back of my brain i can still tell that he got about what 20 other 23 correct um he so got every player right just 
three starters were actually on the bench. Yeah, like that is pretty good. So for all that we've said about England not being very cohesive, and for Steve Borthwick saying, well, we named a different team. I mean, <laughs> it feels like they had England fucking lined up for two weeks ago and have already started planning it. Whichever one of you want to jump in there, sorry, I realized I didn't say your names. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose I'll best take as being then being well, one living in England, two being, I suppose, the nominal next door neighbor. Uh, yeah, I mean, for all, for all the talks about England not being cohesive, the problem is, is they really should be. You know, they, they basically had one warm up game where they trimmed, they basically called the whole squad and then went to working on the best 23. And this is what we've got. The problem is, is when when he was starting to put in changes and, you know, you'd have like Ford Farrell and then completely shuff, shuffle his back line around and then you shuffle it back again. And then, you you know, basically almost every single player other than the scrum half would move for one substitution, which is the sort of thing most coaches would only ever have to do, at, you know, if there was a really bad injury, which is quite weird. I think Pat... I think you can you can pretty much tell which hookers are going to go through purely because Jamie George has played all the minutes, Theo Dan has played some minutes, and then we haven't seen um, oh, Jack Walker. Uh, you know we haven't seen him at all, and yeah. that pretty much and that I think that just shows. It's it's surely it's damaging if you were kind of tied to it in some regard, but also not exactly evolving. Um, like I, I made a comment on the Pirate Rugby podcast last night with with Hugh Griffin that, like, I would not be surprised if Steve Borthwick comes out in the post match press conference and says we're focusing on four years' time. It's like, well, are you with Care, with Youngs, with Vonapola, you know, with George? Like, don't get me wrong, Ford and Farrell are still the two best tens in England by a distance, but there's an awful lot of selections there that doesn't exactly scream four years' time, doesn't exactly scream your best team at the moment. If Billy, Billy Van Nepal is the fourth best back row in England, then I'm sorry, Alex Hendelen probably walks into that England squad, as far as I'm concerned, because that's the level that he's at at the moment. Like, I don't really see how they are so incohesive while being so nailed to a certain style. It's actually, I, I like, it's it's not even a case of maybe Borthwick's a bad coach. He couldn't possibly be that bad. There must be something else going on in terms of players or something. Well, this. there was the, the sorry, no, no, just quick. There's a rumor like because everyone was wondering where Harry Arundel is. Who's you know one of the few like like bright sparks that have appeared from England in the last two years, and apparently it's to do with a a dispute okay. with Farrell. So is Farrell re- you know there was always the the jokes about Sexton being the real Ireland coach, and then you know the other you know and the actual coach and stuff doing what he wanted. But is you know is that a case in act, you know is actually the truth, and is that the reason why coaches are having to put Ford on the bench or start do Ford Farrells because Farrell just will not be dropped. He will not. Well, there, there was reports anyway. that there was more than just Farrell. That was kind of like a Saracens led boys club, which definitely wouldn't surprise me considering some of the personality. Like I do like some of the Saracens players. Farrell is one of them. I like him from afar, but you wouldn't be surprised. But we will just go through that team. So. Apparently the t- changes are Marler, Martin, and Stewart. Is that it? Uh, yeah. So Joe Marler yeah. comes off the bench, uh, pushing Ginge, pushing Ginge onto swaps with B. Angel on the bench. Chesham and Martin swap round, and Freddie Stewart comes in for 
rugby Jesus who's been kicked out entirely. We're not going to have any English listeners after this if we did already. <laughs> I like Marcus Smith, but you're right. He is a rugby Jesus in the eyes of TNT Sport. Like, I, I can't, I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing him having to play an awful lot of fullback for Quinns because that's the only way he's getting this team over Jared Evans. After oh, Jared oh, Evans oh. showed up, after Jared Evans basically showed that side up with a team of gardeners and, and teachers. And we nearly, we nearly were by three at the stoop. Yeah, I remember that actually. I vaguely remember that game, come to think of it. Jesus. Talking of Voids rugby. Oh, it's basically Cardiff's only so. hope for this season as well. Ah, look, Vibes Rugby could make it happen in the URC. It's only a floundering league that won't last more than three seasons. <laughs> not the Premiership, the URC. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely not in, in talks to absorb a few Premiership clubs at all. Yeah, exactly. Harley, South Africa unchanged. If I'm right, I they, sorry, this one I am right. They are unchanged. Um, yeah. yeah. So, in terms of kind of how you see it shaping up in terms of matchups and all that. Are you, I don't want to say you're happy from a South African perspective. That'd be a bit too pointed. But they, South Africans must be happy with what they have versus what they're facing. I mean, you know, there, there might be the odd calls. That's all like uh, Jesper Visa in over Dwayne Vermeulen, but then you keep Dwayne Vermeulen because of his defensive organisation. He's been there, he's done that. He's a really good turnover threat, which, you know, obviously Khaleesi is the open side, but you know he's more, you know, you know he's more chopping people down and getting a and you know thing. So they rely more on players like Kitsoff and and Vermeulen to get over the ball. You know, there was talk about maybe Kayla Moody coming in, but I think you just can't drop Creel. It's impressive that we still haven't seen um, Lacanyuam yet. Um, I don't, I don't know if he's just in there now in the squad more as a leadership thing. I think so. But, you I could, mean, you again, couldn't possibly drop Jesse Creel. He's arguably yeah. player of the tournament. I'd, yeah, I'd say between him and, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm on Irish podcast, but Bundyaki for me is also another one who I'd say I think five games is enough for, for him to be worthwhile. That it's yeah. I mean, looking at that team, the the only one I have, and they've seemed to have gotten away with it so far, is at sixteen. Yeah, and Bongo yeah. Bonambi is not a player known for doing longer than about fifty minutes, and he is having to do. 70, 70, 80, uh, unless you're listening to some people in the uh, in the in the English press who said that he had a HIA just so he could have a sit down for ten minutes. That, no, that not I, sure I'd you're allowed to do that. Like you have to do actually have to go through the HIA. And yeah, I'd actually jump some in processes there, in there if you don't mind. That is absolutely shocking and disgusting. Yeah, to say that, I don't care how much people want to paint South Africa as being evil or bending the laws. Or whatever else, because granted, Erasmus is a Marmite character. He's he's a bit of a bollocks, but like he plays yeah. into that as well. But to say that players are faking HIAs to get yeah. arrest, yeah, is that it's actually despicable. Like, have a look in the mirror, lads, if you're coming out saying that. And that goes for fans, and it's going for pundits. I think the standard of punditry this World Cup has been shocking. It has been absolutely shocking. There was a number of pieces written about Ben O'Keefe at the weekend. When a couple of years ago, when it was Wayne Barnes on the receiving end, people were writing pieces about how we shouldn't do it. And now when Ben O'Keefe has a good, a very good game, actually, sorry, not even an okay game. He had a very good game. It's okay to jump on the French bandwagon and slide him? No, not having it. Not having it. And I'm, listen, I'm... I know that's a rant, but like, 
it probably does need to be said before the World Cup is over. The fact that anyone would bring out these comments on a World Cup semi-final week. Have you, do you actually hate the game that much that you have nothing else to talk about? Because that's the way I see it. I mean, I'm, I say I'm so bored of, you know, I've joined play people like Squidge and stuff. That I'm so bored of ref chat. I think the only actual yeah. viable ref chat from last weekend is is the is the Jakob Pipe for Cole Dixon substitution purely because of how polar opposite they are as referees. <laughs> and then it was seeing, it was seeing how, and then, you know, Argentina flipped on and they went, right, look, that's how he wants us to, how he wants us to play fine. And Wales didn't. And I thought, but you I'm have to believer. adapt. Like that's. I'm that's... a big believer. It's it's for the team to adapt. Yeah, you know, 100%. it's not for the refs to change their style. The refs are going to do. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of how Carl Dixon referees around head contact step on a player safety, whether it's my team or any other team. I and I'm and I I know I've just said about how much I hate ref chat, but I think around player safety is a is, is no good. I think Brian McNeese is a lot better, but he had issues for it last season as well as a TMO. And also, and again, world I think someone's had, had a word and said, "No, no, this this is head contact. This is serious." Yeah, world rugby haven't but, been great this tournament either. They've kind of been like, "Oh, well, uh, you know, like if they give a little bit more clarity and a little bit more help to referees and to the bunker officials and all that." Like I said it from way before the tournament that I felt like, "Oh, we're gonna try and not give big suspensions if we can because we don't want these guys not being there." It's like, oh, I'm sorry that a 30 year old has to deal for their own actions. Like, yeah. oh, like, anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's also way easier if they yeah. just take all of the media clips off of the internet, make sure no one has them, and that way no one can complain about uh, any refereeing decisions. See, this, this is why Keane is getting paid the big bucks to come on here because he's seeing the bigger picture. He's he's reading between the lines, folks. <laughs> Keen, I will talk uh, about something positive. Actually, Harley, yeah, no, go on, jump in first. I was, I was just going to say something. So I did a media, I, I was at a media roundtable event uh, a couple of days ago uh, for the URC, and they they were asked about about bringing in the bunker for there, and they said that it's not going to be this season. So for people wondering where it is, it's still going to be just rest and TMOs for this season because of like the cost of doing it for 151 games as opposed to yeah. 48. But they said they're looking into bringing something similar from next season because it's just too early to it's too late to implement it for them and they were waiting to see how the World Cup went yeah well I, I'll, I'll name my colours to the mask I don't mind if they do it as long as we're not seeing like finding reasons not to give the red card again like yeah, this is... don't 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 go down that route let's like it's ridiculous but again my issue with head comp my issue with head comp is they should have treated it like tip tackles and just been really hard line for two three years and yeah. then start softening they should have just yeah. said, I, "We don't care. I don't care if you're upset because you're losing your star player for six months of the year. Teach them to tackle lower. Teach the coaches to tackle to tackle better or to coach better as well. Might be a and a thing because if they're coming out saying there's nothing wrong with tackle X, Y, and Z, they're probably thinking that from Monday to Friday as well. Well, we'll jump back onto the positivity the, trend. Sorry, what was that? Coaches, like are, the coaches are included in the tackle school stuff that's going on, and the the, the mitigating tackle school includes the coach." Okay, well, that's good to see. My understanding, so. Although tackle schools should probably be not a reduction and just be mandatory anyway for high yeah, tackles. There's an argument for that, but yeah, yeah, I suppose they're trying to give it a bit of a carrot feel to it. But... Yeah, they don't They don't want too many players and coaches whinging. On the positive side of things, Keen, last weekend was a classic. We discussed it in, in detail, probably for the main reason that we wanted to not talk about the other three games that happened. So we discussed this one in detail at the um on Monday night. For South Africa though, would you be concerned about just that kind of emotional energy of beating 
not just beating the favourites, but the hosts as well in Paris in an epic game. And like I know England aren't great at the moment, but they're going to play a brand of rugby. That means they kind of have to play poorly to get beaten heavily. They're going to be there, thereabouts, you'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yes, there's there's an emotional toll there from having to go to the well like they did. You know, there it was there was emotion in that performance. You could really see it, especially for players like uh, Mbanambi, um, who, you know, pushed himself past what he'd normally have to do and, you know, is looking at potentially having to do it for another two games already. Um, but am I worried? about it affecting this I don't think I am I, I really can't see it I, I mean this England side they have gone into it but they just don't have that it's it's, it's rather one dimensional and you know it's a one dimensional game plan where you can impose your your physicality and you know probably a little bit more announce, uh around the pitch um, that they've been able to do throughout the pool stages and in in a, in, a, in a fairly handy quarterfinal draw is just not going to work against South Africa in third gear, frankly. Um, it's a South African side that just they seem to know they've 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 timed their run to hit their peak at exactly the right time. They seem to be really finally just. Everything seems to have just fallen into place with the with the player selection as well. Just a you know, just a, just in the last game, and um, they they have not named any changes. They've stayed with a five three split. I mean, when was the last time oh. South Africa had a five three split before last weekend? Let alone let alone two weeks in a row. I know this was the it's big ridiculous. surprise. They were they were holding this. This is this is the ace of the hole all along. The yep. the seven ones was the was the grenade, the smoke grenade, and then the smoke clears. It's like aha, five three. And on that, if you if you don't mind, like people say, oh, they they're not going six two because they don't have the same impact. Like I'm not sure about that. Oxenche has been superb. Yeah. Orgis, the Sneem and Etzebet, uh collaboration that second half to last day. Like honestly, it was yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, Quadra Smith came on, he tackled everything. I actually think he tackled Emmanuel Macron at one stage. Like, he was <laughs> everywhere. Um, like, and Vincent Koch did very well at scrum. It was Koch that was on the bench, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, um, yeah. He did very well at scrum time as well. Like, they're not going 5-3 because they're afraid they're not what they were. They're going 5-3 because now they can go 5-3 as well. Yeah. They, you know- they could go 6-2 for the final, and I don't think they'd be any worse off. It was. It was also that felt like you know the first time in this World Cup that the bomb squad was a bomb squad. Yeah. That sub that bench they were substituted on not even all at the same time, but in a fairly short time. For, but they had such an impact on the game. Yeah. You could feel it turning. I could feel the anxiety rise amongst the sea of French people that I was surrounded by at a time. Been, been there. I I've been there. Says you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. And I mean, even with the issues with, you know, do you go with Manny? Do you go with Andre? Andre, you need Willie. It's all worked out wonderfully. And to be fair, Libok was very good at the weekend. He was, and he was brilliant. And he's the the perfect fly half for that first 60 minutes where you want to be playing the arse out of everything and trying things and putting things on. And then you got Andre Paul coming on to go, yeah, yeah. 
we're going to finish this out. <laughs> They're the team who played Dodal Rugby but took our breath away on Sunday night. Hardy, you were going to jump in there. Do you want to yeah. fire away? So I was saying, you know, people saying that they didn't go 6 2 because they were worried about the forwards. I think the reason they've gone for the three is more because the way their backline needs to change. And I think it's because you want, because they want to have that controlling thing at the end and they want to bring Pollard on, which means you want LaRue there just so that if it is on, he can step in. Yeah. So you've got. You've got basically you've got your, uh, you know you've got your Ryan Achlebock, Dillimser, which is a really nice fast throw it around, and then you bring it on. You've got the control of Faf, Faf Pollard and Larue, and I think that's it. I'd like to point out that's yet another re- innovation that Razzie's actually stolen, tried to claim his own because I think you'll find that was Wales's tactics in 2019. And the first time I saw a seven-one bench was actually Canada women versus England in the Women's World Cup semi-final. My word. And who said that this podcast is too South African leaning? We're just after taking the rug, actually layers of rugs from under Razzie Erasmus's feet. And you know what? That is what that is also why we play Harley the Big Bucks to come on here on the Thursday night. I'll uh, come back to you, Harley, and you can throw in your point, whatever it's going to be, and just predictions on this one. Like, how do you see it going? Um, on Saturday night. I know what the funniest thing would be for me is if South Africa wins 32-12. <laughs> I don't think back. I don't think that's necessarily really scoring, or, but just or, the flashbacks. Or how about um what was the score in 2007 with the Matthew Tate, not Matthew Tate, Mark Quaido try? That again. And someone thinks they scored a try that definitely was not a try. <laughs> I mean that that would be quite that would be quite good. I'm just yeah, going back to the 2019 final. But like I said if it was a repeat one, I could I think Again, I think you've got England's best attacking we- best attacking weapon, George Ford on the bench, and you've got Farrell, who I don't think I don't know what it is about Saracens. Maybe it's Nick Tompkins. Maybe Nick Tompkins is the answer to all our questions, which we never realise. But I could give Farrell, you an hour is... on Saracens, but we won't. But I could rant about them for an hour if you really want me to. <laughs> Either way, I mean, it could just be that the Premiership's a bit of a Dossers League, but Farrell for Saracens and Farrell, and Farrell for England, it just it does not seem to work in the same way. I don't know if it's the personnel, I don't know if his mindset changes when he's in, in an England shirt. But, yeah, I, I don't see that. I think the scrums have got to go. I think, you know, England looked a bit creaky. I think that's part of the reason why Marler's come in to start over, yeah. over Ellis Genge, because I feel like Genge is getting the wrong side of referees. Uh, you know, the whole painting the picture thing, and they They've done that as a way to try and hold off. But then, you know, you could end up with a similar thing that happened in 2019 where one of your starting props goes off in the first 10, 15 minutes and then you've got the bench guy getting creamed for another 30 minutes and then the next, the fresh bot comes on and creams them some more. Uh, I don't think we'll see anything as fancy as the move again, but it's, yeah. I, again, Do you want to know where that move came from? Are you on about the mall? Oh, it's the it's the miracle match from Munster. It is. It's an old anti foley one. They ran it at the weekend actually as well. I'm pretty sure. No, France ran it. Sorry, France ran it in midfield. They set up our first phase. They put all their forwards in the middle and ran it off there. So well, England tried it against Wales, like literally the first the first game, the first Six Nations game, and completely cocked it up. It was hilarious. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and they were like, "Oh, hang on, the team that ran the box really close. We'll try this move that really did us. Like they won't have done homework on this and got it all completely wrong." Yeah. 
It was. So you're saying, are you going, going to South Africa then with this one? Yeah, I think South Africa. I think actually it'd probably be a bit more convincing than even the new than the New Zealand Argentina one. To me, so I, yeah, I think I think we're probably looking towards twenty points. Oh, that is strong. That is. This so, is uh, yeah, ending... I'm looking forward to uh, England Argentina in the finals. <laughs> this is ending our World Cup. Well, I know we have a final to preview, <laughs> but our like rounding out our World Cup shows with just absolute javelin throws into the hearts of of English rugby Keen. as Jeff Neville says on provincial state of mind with no due res- with no due respect <laughs> exactly with no due respect Keen, I'm going to come to you your the stats will probably say South Africa your head will probably say South Africa your heart will probably say South Africa am I right in saying that that's who you'll be tipping at the weekend I think that's very presumptuous of you, but yes. <laughs> yeah, look, it's going to be a very, very, again, very different quarterfinal to, sorry, semifinal to the quarterfinal, uh, not the other way around, uh, however however it feels. Um, look, England will, you know, scrap all the way, but they've they've got one way of playing at the moment, and that's just not even close enough to get past the South African side. Um, I think they're going to probably actually hold it close enough just by butting heads, uh, but they're going to get completely overrun in the last 30 minutes. Um, I'm going for South Africa by two scores. Two two-score World Cup semifinals is not exactly what we're looking for either. It should probably be said. No. We did have that. No, sorry. 2015, one of them was close. We're probably looking how far back? 2003, maybe? Since we had kind of washout semi final weekend, I'm not mm. even sure. I, I listen as I was two at the time, I do not remember. <laughs> <laughs> Show off, <laughs> yeah. No, I, yes, I probably am in terms of the age factor. So, three people say New Zealand South Africa final, but it feels like it would take England for it to me, like rugby in 1995 all over again. It feels like we're set for a very, very different final if we get there. Surely we can't be completely wrong two weekends in a row, having nazed or aced all of our uh, Ireland previews for the from the pool stages. But gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. That's all we have time for tonight, and thank you to everyone, as always, for joining me. Not just tonight, but for the entirety of the World Cup viewership or listenership has taken a small hit, um, and for last Monday, you can imagine why given the fact that it was still very fresh in, in the souls. But I do appreciate everyone listening along the way, all the way back to the start of August. It's been a pleasure. Um, and I will have plan of action for the domestic season to come soon. I will probably be taking a break after the World Cup as much as I love the URC. Um, it is the best league. Even if they go to an expanded and enhanced version, it is it is the best league. But that will be coming in due course. Before all that, Yes, Harley, we all love the URC. I know. Listen, we're all on the same page here, thank God. I'll be back on Sunday with a recap pod of these games. If, you know, it's a bit of if the tree falls in the wood scenario. That's what we're kind of preempting here. But no, these games will take place. As always, you can find us on Twitter, across social medias. Maybe not on Twitter for long. We've been saying that, though, for a while. And if you do like what you see or hear, if you're watching on YouTube, Please do subscribe to the lads again. Thank you so, so much for joining me. To everyone at home for listening. Thank you very much for tuning in. But for now and until next time, 
Enjoy the weekend of rugby. Enjoy the return of the URC. And as always, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.